This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Ro- was it Rovaniemi? Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds like a place to visit, right? I think he just signed his entry-level contract based off that conversation. I mean, put him on the ice, I'm sure he'll win a face-off and score a big goal. Even as the left-shot defenseman? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, Brett, I think Brett Pesci is like two for two in the face-off circle in his career. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I don't even know. I've never, I don't remember him ever taking a face-off. He says he's good at it. I can believe he, it. I've seen him work on it in practice. Yeah. But I mean, why would you ever have Brett Pesci take a face-off? I think, it pro- my guess has probably happened when they're taking a face-off on a five-on-three penalty kill when he was on the ice, and whomever was taking the face-off right. of the Canes got booted, and it's like, all right. I mean, he's on the ice sometimes in three-on-three overtime. There's that, too. So, I look, it's that's, uh, that's a wacky one, but uh, anyway, um, it's cold out. Is it? I mean, we don't usually get this type type of cold. Like, overnight cold, sure, we get it, mm-hmm. right? But we don't normally get this type of cold during the day. No. So it's supposed to drop into the teens, like, before you get home tonight. Yeah, I know. And I feel like I'm back in Wisconsin. You were in Wisconsin? When were you in Wisconsin? I when lived there. Uh, on purpose? Yeah. Okay. I thought you were from Virginia. That's where I grew up. Oh, okay. I lived in Wisconsin for a year. Yeah, well, it's cold. It was. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it gets very cold up there. Milking the cows? Did you milk cows in the morning? No. Okay, good for you. Uh, anyway, here's what I don't, what I don't uh, relish today. Because the overnight temperature, it's not going to be as you know, cold in the evening, but the overnight temperature is going to be around 9. Nice. I can't remember the last time we saw anything like that here in North Carolina. I'm for it. Um, but I do not look forward to leaving PNC Arena tonight after the Canes and the Flyers uh, because it's probably going to be about 13. I don't. I don't. I just don't look forward to that. Do you have an engine block heater? I don't. Am I supposed to pick one up today? Uh, no, probably no. You'll be fine with that one. Yeah, we sh- it shouldn't be that bad. It's no, not no, going to be gonna like be... minus 20. No, you're going to be fine. Right. Um, but whatever I am dealing with in terms of cold tonight, it will not be as bad as Mark Woodley, who is a TV sportscaster in Waterloo, Iowa. And I'm telling you, this is funny, and you have to hear it. This is Mark Woodley, who normally does TV sports, and because it's really cold, in Iowa, I have to get the uh, temperature in Iowa, but uh, they've assigned him other duties. And here's Mark Woodley. Mark, how are you feeling out there? Uh, again, uh, the same way I felt about eight minutes ago when you asked me that same question, right? I normally do sports. Uh, everything is canceled here for the next couple of days. So what better time to ask the sports guy to come in about five hours normally uh, earlier than he would normally wake up, go stand out in the wind and the snow and the cold and tell other people not to do the same. I didn't even realize that there was a 3.30 also in the morning uh, until today. It's absolutely uh, fantastic, Ryan. You know, I'm used to these evening shows that are only 30 minutes long and generally on those shows I'm 
inside. So uh, this is a really long show. <laughs> Tune in for the next couple hours to watch me progressively get crankier and crankier. How do I get that uh, Storm Chaser 7 duty? I, I feel like Clint got the uh, better end of that deal. You know, that thing's heated. Um, the outdoors currently is not heated. Well, I'll tell you what, Ryan, I've, I've got good news and, and I've got bad news. The, the good news is that I can still feel my face right now. <laughs> the bad news is I kind of wish I couldn't. Can I go back <laughs> to my regular job? I, I'm pretty sure, Ryan, that you guys added an extra hour to this show just because somebody likes torturing me because compared to two and a half hours ago, it is just getting colder and colder. Live in Waterloo, for the last time this morning, thankfully, I'm Mark Woodley, New 7 KWWS. Uh, in a word, cold. Uh, it's very cold all around here. <laughs> okay, so the current temperature in Waterloo, Iowa is minus 5, but it feels like it's minus 32. Because <laughs> it's oh, okay. windy. Yeah. <laughs> it's windy. The wind chills would get you. Trust me. Oh, yeah, of course. Minus 5 gets you, too, though. Well, yeah. I think minus 5 gets you. This is where um... my freezer is minus two. Oh, okay. My freezer and our refrigerator in the house is minus two. You might as well just turn it off then. Uh, well, absolutely. By the way, if you have stuff, you could do that. Really? Yeah. You can throw stuff outside. It'll it'll keep. I'll put it in a cooler and just set it outside. You'll be you fine. You don't even have to put it in a cooler. Well, I mean, to like if if it rains or you don't want animals or something like that getting into your stuff. The animals are, I mean, they're out. They're 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 in. They're they're they burrowed underground. Yeah, I don't blame them. I mean, we have the the horses out are not happy, but it's all right. It happens. Uh, but that is that is what's going on in Waterloo, Iowa. That guy is confident that he's not getting fired. Yeah, right. That's what that's what really got me about that. Well, here's the thing: incredibly I bet, secure in his job status. I bet they kept going to him, being like, "This is entertaining. We're gonna keep putting you back on air." Because I bet a lot of people were probably just tweeting and be like, "Oh my gosh, this is hysterical. Keep get this guy on air." You know because what? that guy, because here's the thing, he's saying what every other field reporter is thinking. Right, and also the people at home who are watching, like, didn't we just hear from this person eight minutes ago? Yeah. And I, it's probably still cold. So it is. There's no question it was entertaining. I kind of feel like, I wish I had the confidence, though, to not get fired after doing something like that. He must be very secure. Oh, yeah. In his job. Absolutely. All right. Um, Rod Brindamore is going to join us in about eight minutes. So uh, let's get cracking. Might have been cold in PNC Arena last night. I don't know. NC State struggled early. But as Trip Tracy likes to say, they built a game. Hmm. They beat Louisville 76 to 64. They didn't go over 144 and a half points, so uh, my parlay died. Uh, Kevin Keats on this type of game. This is always the toughest game to play, um, that game right before Christmas. And, you know, I wanted to keep them focused, and it didn't matter who we were going to play. Uh, and it's, it's tough because we played an ACC team uh, even though it's a team that didn't have, haven't had a lot of early success. Yeah, they haven't. They were at one point, I think, 0-10. Right? But they played hard last night. Uh, DJ Burns, 17 points, 6 rebounds, 8 of 10 field goal. Very efficient game 
from DJ Burns. He led them in scoring. All five starters got into double figures, but it wasn't there wasn't great games for Terquavian Smith or Jarkel Joyner and Kevin Keats on that. I thought we shared the ball. We didn't make some shots we would normally make. I didn't think Terquavion Smith was Terquavion Smith today. Uh, but that being said, we got to find the ways to win when our two leading scorers don't play great. But, you know, obviously, you know, one of our bench guys now in DJ Burns has become a starter. And so as we continue to go, we got to continue to develop someone else off the bench. I mean, they'll, they'll get somebody uh, <laughs> pretty soon. Isaiah Miranda will play. Um, Smith ended up with 14 points and five assists. He made three of six from three-point range, so it wasn't uh, a total mess. Good game, though, from Casey Morsell. 15 points, five of seven shooting from three-point range. Stay was good. I have, what, 10 of 26 from three-point? I mean, that's tremendous. Do that. Do that every game. You'll be fine. Um, there isn't an ACC game until Tuesday. So no games tonight. No games tomorrow. Obviously, Christmas Day and Christ- and uh, the day Boxing Day are all clear of ACC basketball. All right, quickly, Canes beat the Penguins for the third time in 23 days. 4-3 in overtime. Uh, Marty Natchez, his 14th goal. Jalen Chatfield had his first goal. Awesome. Did you hear Trip Tracy last night? Oh, yeah. I'm going to Chatmandu. He's been waiting for that one. My, how do you sit on that for 33 games? I think he's been sitting on that one for a while. How do you sit on that for 33 games? That is tremendous. Jordan Stahl's 10th. Unbelievable. What a run. What a run for Jordan Stahl. Here's the thing. Jordan plays the same way every single night. Puck goes in. People go, oh, my God, Jordan Stahl's playing great. He's playing the same. Remember last, or was it last year or two years ago where he was scoring goals and they'd ask Sebastian Ajo about him and they say, what's different about Jordan Stahl? And he'll just look at you and go, nothing. Nothing is different. The puck's going in, but nothing is different. He plays the same way every day. Jacob Slavin, the overtime game winner. Tremendous play, first shift. Slavin takes the puck uh, back into his own zone, skates around behind the net, brings it up the center of the ice, gives it to Brent Burns just inside the blue line. Quick pass across to Seth Jarvis. Quicker pass to Jacob Slavin right down the slot. Backhand, forehand, goal. That was it. 23 seconds into overtime, and we're out of there. Outstanding work. Right after the Sidney Crosby power play goal, Canes respond with two goals in 32 seconds. Marty Natchez, good for you, right? You added uh, plus 210. That's right. Uh, anytime Marty Natchez goal. Uh, so he scores 15 seconds after the Crosby power play goal, and then 17 seconds after that, Jalen Chatfield. Going to Chatmandu. Gosh, that is so good. That was so great. I laughed so hard when he did that. But the resiliency wasn't over. Brian Russ scores with about six and a half minutes left. Maybe six minutes left to make it 3-2. Two and a half minutes later, Jordan Stahl makes it 3-3. Tenth goal of the year. Just incredible. Six points from the blue line last night. It'll be Philly tonight. Here's what Carolina's done lately. Seven straight wins, 13 straight games with a point. They're 11-0-2 in that span. Canes are 12-3-5 on the road. Think about that. They've played 20 road games 
and come away with points in 17 of them. In 17 of them, they've come away with points. That is amazing. Amazing. All right, to uh, last night's NFL game. Then we'll get to Rock Rindamore. Jaguars going in one direction. Jets in the other direction. Jacksonville wins it 19-3. So much for, I think, there'll be points scored on both sides. They gain ground on the Tennessee Titans. Jets lose their fourth straight and fifth out of six and are headed towards uh, top half of the NFL draft selection. Good for them. Building for the future uh, are the New York Jets. Maybe that future will involve a quarterback since Zach Wilson, the second overall pick a few years ago, got benched. You have to look at it from a team's team perspective, right? We're, we're not doing anything offensively, and you know I'm trying to figure it out. We're trying to help get the guys going. I'm trying to you know get myself in a little bit of rhythm, and and you know we had nothing there, and so you know you can't blame him in that situation. You know you put Chris out there, and he's obviously great with his legs and his arm, and and he was able to, to give us a little bit of a spark there, and we were able to move the ball a little bit, and you know he obviously is one of those guys that's going to lay it all out there for the guys, and so you know I'm always happy for him. He's one of my good buddies, and so. Um, you know, happy for him to go out there, but I mean, you could see that was the most we've moved the ball all day. So you can't, you can't blame him there. You know. Yeah. Some I don't even know who the guy is. Chris, Chris, somebody. Chris, somebody. Yeah. Played for the Jets. I think he played at South Dakota. Yeah, he did. Um, uh, Carson Wentz University, right? That's North Dakota. Uh, Wentz went to North Dakota. North Dakota State. I still don't understand why we have two Dakotas. So the. The second overall pick in his draft year gets pulled for a somebody from South Dakota. Yeah. That's exactly where the Jets are at quarterback. Uh, Robert Sala, the Jets head coach, was asked why Zach Wilson keeps struggling. There's a lot of things. I mean, one, couldn't get the run game going again. Uh, protection wasn't as, as good as we wanted, to, wanted it to be. Um, Obviously, there was a couple of misthrows. Uh, it was collective coaching all the way down. Mm-hmm. Jets are done, by the way. And you, 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 I don't know if you remember when I said this. When they actively didn't try to win the game against the New England Patriots, thought they were could get to overtime, and I think the final score of that game was 10-3 New England, right? Because they New England returned a punt for a touchdown with, like, 30 seconds left like the Jets legitimately played for overtime with a minute and a half left on the clock and timeouts at their own 30 like it's not unheard of for you to move into field goal range and kick a field goal and win it but they legitimately played for overtime as though you get a point for getting into overtime in the NFL (laughs) you are you are allowed to go win they encourage it yeah so at that point, I declared the season over for the Jets, and I was right. Mike White might be their better quarterback. He's hurt, so can't do anything about that. But that team is done, unfortunately. They have a great defense, a great defense. So next year, the Jets will be a team to watch, but we'll see if the lack of a quarterback this year didn't cause them to miss their window. Hurricanes played last night. They've got a game 
tonight. And it's time to check in with head coach Rod Brindamore. Adam Gold here with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Are most of your clients hands-on or they just give you their money and let it work for them? About 90% give the money and then we meet every year and go through status reports, have a financial pit stop, making sure everything's fine. It is like a puzzle, Adam, but for the next 10 of you, we'll solve your own retirement puzzle at no cost or obligation. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. I don't even know where to start. You guys were better than Pittsburgh last night, certainly at five on five. So, you, I know you're never surprised and you, it, you're hard to impress, but what jumps out at you about the way this team just goes about its business every night? Well, that's kind of what we've been talking about all year, really. I just think they're uh, competitive and these guys, they get it. You know, they, they know what it takes to, to be successful and just go to that consistent effort is really, at the end of the day, what it is. You know, they, they obviously know how we want to play, and there's a certain there's definite buy-in into the the, the way we got to play it. And I mean, it doesn't work every night, but it's it gives you a chance to win every night. That's for sure. And now you're getting some, you know, we're getting some great play by you know individuals, but the, it's really about the group and how I just think how consistent they've been really the whole year. It takes goals sometimes for people to recognize. But the way Jordan Stahl is playing puts him in a category with the best in the sport when right. the goals are going in because of everything else that he does because he seems to always have the puck. Yeah. Well, it's, it's I mean, what, how often do we talk about Jordan? It's just, it's <laughs> you and I, it seems like every, you know, conversation he's, he gets brought up because if he's, you know, now it's because like you said, oh, everyone's talking about him. Mm-hmm. It's only because he's putting a puck in that, but really it's the way he plays every night. And with his line mates, they, you know, you got to give them credit too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've, you've talked about it. Marty's been, just had a great year. And just, they, you know, they hound the puck. And at the end of the day, what we talked about the first thing is they're, they compete consistently every night. And you know, like I say, it certainly gives you an opportunity to be successful. I thought the top line was also very good. I mean, at five on five, they had the puck a lot as well. Were you worried at all when Marty Natchez went to the locker room? And then we'll talk about Seth Jarvis also going to the locker room. Uh, you, you you have a, a number of injuries that we need to talk about anyway, but what went through your head when those guys disappeared for a few minutes? Yeah. Well, look, we've been dealing with it all year. And, you know, I guess it, you don't, we, we, we don't have room to have more. And, you know, when you see those guys, you know, especially the guys you're really counting on on the offensive side of things uh, going down, that's it's, it's a worrisome. So I think we got a few game time decision guys tonight. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll figure a way no matter what. I mean, I haven't seen anybody being called up. So <laughs> are, are you going to dress if some of these guys can't go? No, I'm, I'm not, but I think we'll <laughs> – you know, we'll definitely have enough guys uh, tonight. It's just I'm not sure what the mix is going to be. All right, let me ask about uh, Sebastian Ajo. Do you expect him tonight, or are you going to give him the holiday off? Well, we're, we're debating that. I think there's a good chance that he'll play, but I, I don't know. I, I can't really say. Uh, I think we might run him out there and warm up and kind of gauge it. 
Um, you know, it's it's uh, interesting. You know, they say a few more days, but then throwing them in with, you know, no practice really uh, might not be the best thing either. So we're 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 on the. I mean, if we took the whole break off, so it's uh, he's ready to go. I think if, if he gets through warm up, I think we'll throw him in. All right, now um, Brady Shea. That was a late um, a late scratch for personal reasons. Uh, I'm not asking you what was going on, but do you expect him back, or is this going to be a little bit of a longer absence? Yeah. No, I think he'll he'll be good to go tonight. So again, it's a few question marks, but at least uh, a little more positive on those two guys. All right, now Jalen Chatfield finally gets his first goal. He obviously played well because he has not come out of the lineup all year long. The speed, then he has to play up a level. He plays with Brett Pesci. Uh, who, by the way, still looks really good on his offside. I remember that from a few years ago. Um, what did you What did you see from Chatfield other than the goal, which is obviously great for him? Yeah, he's solid, right? I mean, when when we had to, I mean, last year he got kind of put in that same role. We had all those injuries and uh, did well in more minutes. So you uh, know, he's played solid all year and solidly, and and I think. He's been in the offense, just hadn't it hadn't uh, translated. The puck hadn't gone in, but you know we don't expect that out of him. We're not asking him to do that, but we do ask him to get in the rush and he, you know get pucks in that. And he he's played extremely well, and uh, I was really happy that he finally got that first one. Is it my imagination, or has the ability of Brent Burns, who gets the puck from you know a pass out to the blue line and gets the puck on net as quick as anybody I've seen? Has that been taught to other guys? Because it seems like everybody's doing it now. Well, I mean, that's another conversation. And, uh, <laughs> but he, he's the inventor of that, and he's been doing it his whole career. Right. And it's just, you know, we, to be honest, we took that before we even had him. Uh, well, four years ago, I, I took over. That was kind of a – watching him play and doing that, I was like, listen, we got to – you know, figure a way to kind of see if we can all do that. And, you know, obviously we did, but he, he definitely is the pioneer of that, of that play. He's great at it. I think Jalen is good at it. Um, and, I mean, even last year, Ethan Bear was really good uh, at stuff like that. All right, the uh, the only downside for the game, and I know you feel this way, was special teams. Um, are you going to change anything up on the power play at all? Well, we're we've changed pretty much every game, and it hasn't really worked too well. But we're, you know, we're going to keep working at it. Um, you know, depending on the pieces of who's in the lineup, that'll dictate kind of where what we change. Um, you know, but we we got we got to keep working on it. We know that, and you know, it's that's probably the only area of the game that I, I'm not really happy with. Um, so that's good. We got to have always have things we want to keep tweaking and getting better at, and we know that's an area. Let's just pull them all out of a hat. Just uh, we'll just draw uh, draw lots to see who uh, who plays in the power play. Will will it be Piotr tonight? That is still up in the air. Um, you know, to be quite honest with you, we, we Peter got a little dinged up, mm-hmm. and it wasn't serious serious. But you know, again, we're in that <laughs> time <laughs> where is it is it worth throwing him in if he's not a hundred percent? So we're 
we'll we'll know a little more here probably later this afternoon. All right. Well, it's going to be certainly very interesting when the team skates out for warm-ups. I will have to pay attention. Uh, I thank you very much, and that was a heck of a win in Pittsburgh last night. And let's uh, let's close out the pre-Christmas schedule on a high note. Good luck. Merry Christmas to you. And uh, I'll talk to you later. All right, Adam. Take care, buddy. That's Rob Brindamore, the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. I almost said Panthers. Uh, And they will take on the Philadelphia Flyers tonight. We'll get a chance to wave to Tony D'Angelo. Glad he's coming back. Hope they give him a video. I don't know. I just hope they show the, the from the first game against the Islanders when he uh, skated around in front of Cal Clutterbuck and just forearm shivered him to the ice. Just punched him straight in the chest. Basically, it was yeah. really what I saw, and I don't know how it wasn't a penalty. <laughs> no, I just think it wasn't. Just straight punched I mean, him in the chest. Boom. Down. It's tremendous. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. All that's, right. That's what we're getting for Tony. Okay. From Tony this year. Uh, but he was, look, I had a lot of fun talking with Tony for. Uh, the season. I still talk to Tony, to be honest. Um, and I'm looking forward to uh, having him in the building tonight. All right, Canes and Flyers. Stormwatch, if you're local, 6.30 tonight. If you are local, Stormwatch is 6.30. Uh, if you're not local, Stormwatch is still 6.30. We haven't changed that based on where you are. If your internet is down because of this weather, holy cow, you can still check it over the air. Just crank up the radio. That's right. I actually have one, like a handheld crank radio to get power. Do you really? I do. I love it. That's what you get from living in Wisconsin. I had that long before I lived in Wisconsin. That's what you get from living in Wisconsin. All right. Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. The Designery grand opening, we're scheduled to open May 16th and do our grand opening party then. We're going to be catering some food. We're doing some giveaways. We have a VR headset, an Echo Show, some kitchen gadgets, and some fancy knives. 12 to 2 p.m. Please stop by our showroom, 3030 Wake Forest Road. That's The Designery at thedesignery.com. Right, we don't have a, uh, a working fireplace, so uh, it's going to be tough for Santa to get through all of the apparatus in there. Uh, but maybe we'll clean it out, or maybe it's just magic. Jason Sobel, speaking of magic, from the Action Network, is joining us. Been a while. Golf's sort of uh, taking a back burner to football and hockey and soccer. Uh, but he joins us from the Action Network. How you been? I've been great, Adam. Thanks for having me on. I was going to say I was honored to be on the final show before Christmas, but I just realized I'm probably the only guest you could get. So, wow. I mean, thanks anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're filled today. Oh wow! I was I trying. Everyone to... else said no, and I was the last option. Oh, I, you're 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 at least in the top third of my uh, of of my wants on a on a oh, on a getaway honored. day. Uh, all right, let me. First of all, when I tuned in to the PNC Championship on Saturday, because it is golf's fifth major, mm-hmm. when I tuned in and I saw Charlie Woods limping, I thought that was a joke. I thought he was just mocking his dad. Why do both Woods limp all the time now? Uh, not all the time. Uh, okay. The kid sprained his ankle. Uh, I think he rolled it in like a little hole or a sprinkler head or something. I feel bad for him. I mean, for as much as Tiger is trying to ramp up his game for the fifth major of the year, and it is, and in all honesty, 
I do truly believe that after the four majors, it is the one tournament right now that means the most to Tiger because yep. he gets to play with Charlie. And I'm sure Charlie's been practicing. Charlie wants to go out. I get to be on TV. I'm 13. They're going to put me on TV. I'm nervous. I want to play well. And all of a sudden, he hurts himself in the preparation uh, leading up to the two rounds uh, over the weekend. And so he's limping around. I mean, he really took this like father, like son thing uh, to an extreme. I watched him. I was out walking the front nine with them on Saturday in the opening round on number five. I'm sure they showed it on TV, but Charlie went to hit his drive, got in his downswing and stopped. I'm like, huh, that <laughs> reminds me of somebody. <laughs> I don't even know how you do that. All right, so you walked the course with them. So I, I have to know. How well, I mean, we know the distance and all of that. Charlie hits the ball a long way. Tiger even said before the tournament that uh, there are times Charlie outdrives him, which is frightening. Um, how well does he hit it? And, I mean, when is he turning pro? <laughs> so I am caught somewhere between, hey, let him be a kid. He's 13. You know, just let him enjoy it. Maybe he'll still like golf a few years. Right. Maybe he won't. And, hey, what odds can I get on the 2032 Masters for this kid winning it all? I, I'm somewhere in between the two. Uh, but, look, he, I think for a lot of people, if you don't know any young junior golfers who are very talented, you watch Charlie on TV and you go, oh, my God, that kid's only 13. He's going to be a 15-time major champion someday. He's going to be just like his dad. I think if you watch, I live in Florida. We have a lot of really good junior players here. Uh, look, there there were a lot of shots that Charlie hit that weren't great. Uh, I certainly, you know, I, I'm not basing his future professional potential on how he played over two rounds of PNC this past weekend, especially on a bad ankle. But um, let, let's, you know, we don't necessarily have to anoint him the next Tiger Woods. He's, okay. he's a young kid. Hopefully, he enjoys golf. Hopefully, he keeps playing. Hopefully, he continues to improve. He'll certainly have uh, every. Um, everything at his disposal that he could ever want as far as getting better and improving at the game. And uh, hopefully someday, you know, if, if this is what he wants to do, he'll become uh, a very good player. But uh, he is certainly not the, the best 13-year-old player I've ever seen. All right. He also ha apparently likes other sports too, and I hope he plays other sports. Uh, and I think I'll bet Tiger hopes he plays other sports as well because that's really what yeah. kids – should be doing at this age. Jason Sobel, at Jason Sobel, T-A-N, from the Action Network. All right, Tiger talked about it. Rory McIlroy talked about it. Uh, a potential uh, truce, cooling of the uh, of the rhetoric between uh, Liv and the PGA Tour. And every time I heard, well, Greg Norman's got to go first. Let's set that aside for just one second. Here's what I don't understand. What does a truce between those two bodies of golf, what does a truce look like? I can't imagine Liv giving up their contract and the PGA Tour just restructured everything to get the best players together 15 times a year. How does a truce even work? Completely agree with you. I have absolutely no idea. And I've heard this so much over the last year, which is they need to get together. They need to figure something out. They need to talk. And my answer to that is, about what? What exactly are they going to do? Uh, are they going to merge together and form some super tour? That's kind of like what the PGA Tour has been up until this year. Right. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't know what an agreement would even look like, what uh, what shape that would take. I, I just 
I don't quite understand it at this point. Okay, there's the PGA Tour. PGA Tour has 47 events, 48 events coming up this season. It's already started. Live will have 14 events coming up in 2023. Um, they're both golf tours. They're both professional tours. They both have very good professional players. Other than that, I, they're not really going to cross paths. And I, I don't see where and how any sort of truce or agreement could help either one of them. Yeah, that, that's what has always kind of escaped me, and I just don't understand. And here's the – first of all, the PGA Tour knew what was going on with Liv. It was never supposed to be additive. If it was supposed to be additive, it wouldn't have started with – the idea was 15 events right away. It would never have started that way. It was only eight because of everything blowing up on Greg Norman when Phil Mickelson lost his mind. Um, so it was never supposed to be additive. That was a lie. Uh, and so I understood why the PGA Tour was acting the way they were acting and being in many ways defensive and protective of their tour and their members. Um, now that we're here and the and Liv is adding more events in the United States and in North America, which is their right and they should because that's where their members are, um, I just, for the life of me, I just don't understand what the next step is I don't understand what the next step is for Liv other than we're here. They still don't have a TV deal. Right. Yeah. And the one thing you mentioned, which is what Tiger and Rory have said, hey, as long as Greg Dorman is in charge, we won't have discussions with them about anything. And I understand that. I think what people don't necessarily understand is that that doesn't necessarily mean that if Greg Dorman isn't in charge, then yes, we'll talk to them. Uh, I think it's just a matter of, hey, as long as Greg is there, it's, it's a non-starter. We, we are not going to come to any agreement. We're not going to have any discussions. We're not even going to talk to them as long as he is the CEO of Live Golf. And, and I believe that. And I believe that to be true. And I just don't know that if Greg stepped down or if Greg was forced out at some point in the near future that all of a sudden there's going to be talks between them. And, again, I'm with you, Adam. I, I don't know what they would even talk about if they were to talk. Jason Sobel is joining us here on the Adam Gold Show from the Action Network. Here's the thing about um, the the way the tour restructured the elevated events. Don't some of those, because, because they seem to be all in the United States, don't some of those have to be in Europe? Shouldn't they take, whether it's the Scottish or the Irish uh, or the BMW PGA uh, or maybe another event or two on the on the DP World Tour, Shouldn't they elevate those because it just seems otherwise everything is still concentrated in the United States and it kind of alienates the international player? I was surprised the Scottish Open wasn't one of the four. I think they put this together very, very quickly. And I think what happened was four of the bigger sponsors, uh, title sponsors on the PGA Tour said, hey, we'll put up the money. Uh, We will have our events elevated, have a bigger purse, and have – a better field than some of the regular events. But I I don't know that this was something that, um, that was given, you know, that much thought. They did not have a year to put this together. So I I would be surprised if, like you said, if Scottish open makes the most sense that that would have uh, elevated status moving forward um, after 2023. But I I don't know that then you're asking players who played primarily on the PGA tour to, uh, go over there, and they have to go play those events unless they opt out, which they do have, uh, I believe, one or two opt-outs that they can have throughout the year. So uh, there, there's a lot of moving parts to this still, and they're kind of still in the middle of this. And I would think that 
a lot of things are going to change between now and when we talk about this next year. All right, I have two quick questions about this before we let Jason Sobel go. The first is, uh, without naming names, if you uh, but if you do want to, that's fine. Uh, are there other players, other high-profile players you think that will make the move to live golf this year? It's a great question. Again, I wish I had an answer for you. Um, I certainly don't have any names. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, my guess is that Liv isn't done. If they were signing a lot of players in the first year, that they would still want to sign players in the second year. I think that there are definitely some players out there who wanted to see kind of what beta testing looked like for Liv and see what it comprised of and see what the tournaments are like, and then maybe they can join later. So my guess is there are probably some players out there thinking about it. I would think if I'm running Liv, okay, we've got some supers. We've got the Cameron Smiths and the Dustin Johnsons at the top of the list, Kepka, mm-hmm. Bryson DeChambeau, but we might need some players to fill out sort of the mid-tier. Because uh, if you look down the list, that third or fourth player on their teams, it, it's a guy off maybe the Asian Tour, a guy <laughs> off the Sunshine Tour, players that most, most golf fans don't really recognize that well. So they might want to bolster it with guys that aren't necessarily the biggest stars. Not that they'll turn away big stars, but I would think they'd probably start going after guys who are at least in the back nine of their careers and want to go out and make some money. Guys who said, okay, maybe I'll never win a major championship, but this is my chance to go make a lot of money on live. Those players um, may be thinking about it still. Maybe they just wanted to see what it looked like over the first handful of months that they were playing live events and can then make their decision going into year two. More guys like Pat Perez and Charles Howell the third, maybe. And final question. Yes. The Masters chairman, Fred Ridley, uh, they announced that there's no no change to their criteria for receiving an invitation. So the six past champions and the other 10 players from Live Golf who are already qualified would still be invited to the Masters. But reading into his statement, it did seem like, but we're coming after you when we meet in April and announce our future criteria. Do you see a change in maybe how they view other major champions where they say, well, instead of a five-year exemption, uh, you get two years before we will no longer invite you to the Masters? I wonder if the majors will all do that. I could see that. I could certainly see a change in the qualification process. Right now, Liv obviously is not getting world ranking points. It's been a big sticking point for the live players and there are a lot of players there are four i believe in the uh bottom six inside the top 50 who qualified for the masters based on that where they are right now they won't be accruing world ranking points moving forward and so i i could see a point where maybe augusta maybe the other uh organizations the usga the rna the pga of america change their criteria a little bit right now i think a lot of people don't realize this in fact i was out playing golf with the PGA of America executive the other day who didn't realize himself the PGA championship does not have a top 50 criteria. So uh, they are a little bit different already. I could see that changing. I would think, though, that all the organizations would be in concert with what they're doing. So Augusta may lead the charge on this, but I would think that moving forward, we will see some sort of uh, similarities between all the qualification processes for Uh, all the four major championships. Yeah, Fred Ridley has really not hid his disdain for for Live Golf. No. Even though he has not publicly said it, uh, it is pretty clear through his 
uh, his comments that he is not a fan. I am a fan of Jason Sobel. By the way, our team has Steve Cohen uh, sought a contract with you. Has he offered you $315 million? <laughs> No, I can't play shortstop, though. We can only have so many shortstops on the team. So, uh, no, I, look, I, I guess that's cool. You know, this is our team, and we're just going to spend a lot of money and try to go buy a World Series and work for that other team in New York for a long time. So maybe it'll work for us. Maybe. I hope. It is, uh, look, uh, first of all, uh, merry, happy, all of that. I'll talk to you in 2023. I appreciate your time all year long, Jason Sobel. Take care, man. Absolutely. Happy holidays to you and everybody out there, Adam. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc.